And welcome back to our school district podcast, School Buzz. I'm your host, Rebecca Cooksey, and today we're talking about one of my favorite topics, <laughs> grades, because we're getting close to grade book time um, when teachers have to report grades. And we're going to talk about grades and student progress and how they are interrelated. So I have with me today Marshall Zahn, Caitlin Meng, and Sarah Rowe. We have grades that we have to report to parents on an ongoing basis, and our reporting system is PowerSchool that we send out to our kids and our parents. But every year we have kind of a, a problem sometimes getting grades or getting people to complete them on time or getting them to use the grade book properly because it's a complicated system. Um, and so it's something that we spend, you guys spend a lot of time in classrooms helping teachers do. So what, from your kind of lofty position, would you say is the purpose of grades? So I think the purpose of grades is um, really the intention of them is to notify parents of how a child is performing and where they're at at that particular point in the year in each of those subjects, kind of representing where they're performing at. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the purpose of grades is to let the parents and teachers and students all know like how far they've progressed in mastery of the standards. And so the grades help you have a, an understanding of what where they are, what they've done, and where they need to progress to. Yeah, I agree with what Caitlin and Marshall both said. I think the purpose of grades is for parents, teachers, and the students just to have an overview of how they're doing with the standards and just making sure that what they're doing in class is um, you know, purposeful in how they're doing. And I like that you included the kids because a lot of times we think about the um, administration looks at grades, you know, the district looks at grades, parents look at grades, but I think the most important people that need to look at the grades and look at their progress are the students and see what they need to improve in and what they need to brush up on. We have for our kindergarten through fifth grade students, uh, kind of a combination hybrid, traditional grades, standards-based grading. So what's the difference between traditional grades and standards-based grading? So standards-based grading is more looking at how far they've progressed on individual standards and gives you a representation of one through four of how far and mastery they are on that standard. So it lets you know that, yeah, they've just had an entry into this into this um, area, or yes, they've exceeded and mastered and, and have gone beyond the expectations of that grade level. So standards-based grades give you a progression, whereas a traditional grade gives you more of an average of what was happening based based on multiple different assignments and, and standards are pinpointing more down on particular standards. Yeah, I agree with what Caitlin said. I think standards are based more so on that specific topic and that skill in the subject area, whereas when you look at a traditional grade, it's the overall grade, how the kids are doing in that subject content area, but the standards are more diving deep into those concepts and giving an indication of what the student knows in that subject area. Um, you know, I would agree that standards tend to focus in on that one particular area where traditional grades um, tend to have a lot of leeway in them, teachers um, grade for compliance, teachers grade for effort, teachers grade for a lot of things in a traditional grade that's all combined in there. And whether or not that should be there is a whole different story, but that tends to be the case that, you know, a kid's working really hard, so I'm going to give them the edge on this grade, or they've been, you know, they, their effort has been, they've really trying, so, and that's not going to show up necessarily in a standards grade, that's going to show up in a traditional grade. 
right? Um, a, a grading system shouldn't allow the child to mask their level of content understanding with their attendance or their effort or their any other um, issues like um, bringing a box of tissues mm -hmm. um, for extra credit, those kind of things. I know that um, my youngest was the meritorious uh, valedictorian. And she was really good at compliance. If you told her to study for this test, she'd study for that test. If you told her to turn this in, she'd turn that in. Did she know her content that well? Mm, I would agree that when she went to college and she took chemistry, although she got an A-plus at high school, she bombed out of chemistry because she didn't know the content. She knew how to be compliant and how to study for that moment, but not how to master those skills. And so I think that's an important concept and a change from how we were graded mm -hmm. because we were all graded in a very traditional way that to have kids master the content and prove that mastery is a whole different way of grading kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you're looking at standards, you're not looking at the things like you're mentioning, like compliance. You're looking at genuinely how well do they understand this concept, not the, all the additional things that we like to throw in there because they did a good job. Mm -hmm. I think you see it a lot when they get to high school, when they take foreign language classes. It's a lot of the kids who work hard and do a good job and are compliant and turn things in. And then when they get to high school and go into a foreign language then you kind of see, like, you can you can be compliant, and be, but if you don't know the content, you don't know the content. Exactly. And I, I took three years of French and yeah. was very compliant um, yes. and know very little French now. You know, yeah. I, I couldn't apply it. And I think that's when we talk about mastery or um, standards-based, we're looking at kids to apply their knowledge and demonstrate mm -hmm. that they know it, not just fill in the blanks and pass a test. Um, I know that there are places that have moved completely to standards-based um, grading. So Maine is a state that Maine and Vermont, Vermont have both said, we're not doing any more traditional grading. We're going to only do standards-based. They got big grants from um, a company on the East Coast, and now they're starting to pull back on that a little bit. So why would a, a state who made this huge decision to move forward, what, what do you think would make them make those changes? So I'm guessing that because a lot of parents don't understand the intention or what that standard grades mean, that you probably have a lot of parents objecting and complaining, saying, I'm not sure what this means. And you have parents that are used to their kids getting a 4.0, a mm -hmm. straight A. My kid's a straight A student, <laughs> and all of a sudden they're getting maybe a 2 or a 3. And those parents, so you probably have a lot of backlash from parents that don't understand what that means or what the purpose behind a standards-based grading system is. Yeah, they're coming home with papers that have a three on it instead of having, you know, a B or whatever they're used to, so they don't they don't have that understanding of what, what it means. Or even a check on a matrix, you know, this yeah. is on the matrix, this is where your level is and you need to be here. I know one of the things when we first rolled out standards-based report cards, parents were not happy like in first quarter that their kids were getting ones, which would mean, you know, minimal understanding, which is where they should be at quarter one. We shouldn't expect a kid to be complete mastery of a standard at the beginning of the quarter. But then that's a hard concept for parents because they want to know, hey, is my kid doing well? Well, compared to everybody when, else. <laughs> exactly. And I think that it's kind of hard, too, especially with the shift happening when they're used to seeing, you know, my student is an A student. My student is a B student. And having that, and we are attached to that because we grew up knowing that. And then exactly. you turn around, and then it's like, okay, a one. And that's a hard thing for a parent to see, especially because... <clears throat> Just because a student maybe hasn't mastered that standard yet doesn't mean that they aren't doing the other things 
like turning in the homework and doing the practice and all of the other components that were recognized in a traditional grade system. So by eliminating and going only to standards-based grading, we are under like representing the whole child as far as how they are represented as a member of society, which I think is an important thing to look at when we're talking about being college and career ready and how they're going to perform outside of the school. But then when we, when we move away from a traditional grades and go only to standards, now we're looking at only how they're doing on a specific skill, whereas before we had a better under, understanding of how they were performing as a member of our society. So that's a good point. So if we were and I'm not suggesting this, yeah. but if we had just complete standards-based grading, that that would be the skills that they were doing yeah. and, and their mastery towards it. And then there would have to be another report to parents, maybe included in it, that would be about how do you get along with friends yeah. and how do you work on a team and are you there Which every you day on time? in a traditional grade because things like effort and th were considered in that. And whereas standards, there's no room to report any of the other, any of those yeah, other things that make us part of society. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the, like in a, our homeroom standards in K through five, we mm -hmm. have all of those like, quality producer, community contributor. So maybe there should be more emphasis on those things as well if it would be going completely standards-based. Like then you have all of those standards for citizenship that are encompassing, you know, the compliance and the, the traditional grade. Well, and I think, and I'm just talking off the top of my head here, sometimes a kid is very, does very well in math because they like it and they're, mm -hmm. they're there and they're, they, that's what, something they're really proficient at. And then they go to, I don't know, maybe drama and they don't enjoy that. So they're not as doing the, the great citizenship there. So maybe, and I'm not suggesting we do this, so <laughs> please don't freak out, that that citizenship or those components of citizenship would be included in every it subject because mm -hmm. you, you know, there are things that we are better at and we have better skills at and there are things that we are eh, not so crazy about doing. Mm -hmm. And that would be important to communicate to the child and to the parent. Yes, yeah. mm -hmm. I agree with that. And like you said, putting those and putting an emphasis on the standards within the subjects would help with that. But moving away from a traditional grade and only to standards without having things like mm -hmm. that in place really does limit to how are we, are they going to be ready for their career and college? Mm -hmm. Are they going to be able to get along and interact? And when we're looking at standards one through four, based on, you know, this particular area of focus, is that giving us a good representation of how they're going to, to be successful in, in real life? It's, it's tough, too, when you know a student could be successful on a standard because they, they understand it, they pass the test, but they could be a student that does none of the practice, none of the work. Mm, yeah. And as a teacher, that's tough to say, oh, this kid's got yeah, that, that is standard <laughs> and give a high grade and not have a representation for they're not doing any of the work they're not going to be successful in a job mm -hmm. or for an employer that's not going to accept that and so i think the traditional grade kind of has that wrapped up into it or mm -hmm. or has for a number of years where standards-based grade might not and having those other things would help alleviate some of the teachers concerns on that as well and i think one of one of the things is just our traditional school is that kid that already has mastered it has to be in that class anyway because mm -hmm. this is eighth grade math and i've got to be here instead of being able to test out hey i already know this i'm testing out mm -hmm. i'm going to hire i mean that's if we had very flexible schools that would work but i know given what how we are set up right now that's not really an option but i also don't think a kid should have to do a multiple set of practice when they already know it. Because they're like, oh my gosh, this is boring. And you know? we know some yep. people, sometimes there's too much practice yes. on, <laughs> on certain things. So that moves us into our next question. Should <laughs> practice be graded? 
Uh, I think practice should be reviewed so kids know what they're missing or not missing. It doesn't necessarily need to be put into the final grade. Mm -hmm. You know, practice is practice, not necessarily an assessment or a project or a final thing. It's just this is practice. Yeah, it's not assessing on the standards because a lot of times practice you're going around and you're helping the kids and working with them. So to link some practice to a standard is not um, like an assessment of how they're doing Mm -hmm. It's with, with your guidance and support. I know when, and I, it's been a long time since I was in the classroom, but when I was a teacher, especially for math, they'd do the math homework and they'd bring it the next day. If they brought it in and they tried, i give them five points. Mm-hmm. And the, if you didn't turn it in, then you got, I think I gave you two points because I didn't want to give them a zero because mm-hmm. that zero will just crash you down. But um, it showed them that I was at least looking at it and I valued it because I wanted them to practice at home. But if you practiced, that would help you do well on your test. Yeah, and I'm, I agree with that. You definitely need to look at the practice, but not grade the practice. Mm-hmm. But you want to make sure that when they are practicing, they are practicing it the correct way. Whereas if you're just telling them, go practice, and then you don't even look at it mm-hmm. or revisit it, then you're, you're not ensuring that they are practicing the way that you would hope that they would. <laughs> well, it goes back to the first question on what is the purpose of grades. It's for the students. So practice, too. If you're not checking it, then the students feel like there's no purpose in doing the practice. Why are we doing the practice? I'll just finish it and be done. But the students need to know that there's a purpose for the practice that they're doing as well and that you're checking it. Well, and, and, you know, I've seen kids, especially in the middle school level, that come in and they might know the beginning of the year skills mm-hmm. and then they're not doing the work. But by the end of the year, they're not being successful because they haven't done the practice. They haven't done the things to get to those end of the year skills. Because they come in going, oh, I know this, I know this, I know this, and they don't do their work. You know, middle school kids are famous for <laughs> not completing work. Um, and then by the end of the year, all of a sudden, they're behind. Right. And you have to explain to parents, they have to do the practice. They have to do these things to learn these new skills that we've been working on. And one thing that we say with administrators, what's monitored is valued. Um, same thing for kids. If you're not monitoring that homework or that practice, then they're not going to value it, and they're not going to do very well on it. Mm-hmm. So it's important. Um, so I kind of talked a little bit about that zero, giving a zero. Um, what's your feelings about giving kids a complete zero on an assignment or a project? Yeah. <laughs> I always said zeros are, are grade crushers, especially on a large project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a small daily, if, if, if you're just checking in an assignment, if they get a, a zero on a three-point assignment, it's not going to kill a grade that ends up with hundreds of points. But if it's a 100-point assignment all this, or a project and that kid gets a zero, that's going to devastate. There's no way to come back from that. Mm-hmm. And so I said I used to use, on those particular assignments, I would use a letter grade. So if you put an F and it became 50%, it still showed an F, but it, it would calculate as a 50%. And that was kind of a, a saving grace for that kid of, hey, I understand sometimes stuff happens. Right. And sometimes we might not get one thing done and I don't want to kill the grade or not give you an opportunity to come back from that. Even though sometimes you really feel like it, you know, you didn't do anything. (laughs) Didn't do anything. I'm going to show you kid. (laughs) I mean, I think that maybe not putting the zeros, but explaining the kids what the zeros do and using that as a teaching opportunity, because yeah, they do need, they do need to see Mm -hmm. that if you do nothing and you turn in nothing, whatever the circumstances are, maybe sometimes, and there is times in life, that there are repercussions from that and so yes I'm not I'm not an advocate for going in there and giving everybody (laughs) zeros and that's not what I'm saying at all 
but pulling them aside and showing them, not just telling them zeros are really hurting your grade. That doesn't mean anything. You bring them to your grade book, you show them what happens when you put that zero in, and then you show them what happens when you give them 50% of that grade instead. And then you explain to them and you take that as a teaching opportunity to say, yes, I'm aware that you didn't do this, and yes, you're going to have an F on it, but you, I'm going to give you that opportunity to at least get the 50% of the grade, like Marshall had mentioned, so that they can see the impact and the difference of not doing anything. We we advocate and we tell them all the time, do your best and put in as much effort as you can. And, that, and, and if you show them what the effort will do, even if they aren't going to get an A on the assignment that they were expecting, putting in that little extra effort is worth it. And by taking away the zero and showing them really face-to-face -face what it's going to do to them should be a learning and hopefully a teaching and learning opportunity for both the student and the teacher. And that, that's really a great point because I know in middle school I used to do whole class lessons mm -hmm. where I would show them what happens to grades mm -hmm. when you get zeros because you get to high school or college, teachers aren't going to give yeah. you mm -hmm. that leeway and so they need to understand, you know, if you don't turn something in, there is, you know, a little effort and getting something in is better than not turning anything in especially at a certain level, you get to high school or college, having something done to where you at least get a portion of yes. a grade is going to be better than getting a zero. Yes, because they're, so they're good, not kind there. It's no. a good lesson <laughs> to learn. Yeah, I think it all comes down to communication. Like Caitlin was saying, just communicating with the student. This is what it looks like. Hey, I don't want your grade to bomb. Those things, and I think our teachers are really good, um, especially at the middle schools, you know, giving those opportunities to make up the assignments to go back and add it in and maybe you had a bad week or being understanding I think teachers are very understanding of letting letting things be made up and just communication of the understandings because if they just see multiple zeros and you never explain it to them they're never going to see it they're never going to know why and then by that time it's too late to even remember what that assignment is to make it up so well and they've done some studies with children especially children in poverty that don't understand the correlation between the grades and their final grade. Mm -hmm. So they don't understand that that daily work tallies up and builds up mm -hmm. to that final grade. So they're thinking that kids that get A's are just lucky kids. Oh, you're lucky. You got that grade. No, mm -hmm. it's not luck. <laughs> this kid worked every day. Mm -hmm. And they're not seeing the correlation between that. So I think especially in our area, we have to make that correlation for children. See these things? These five assignments added up to this. This is how I get your final grade. And really teaching them because they don't they don't get it they just think it's kind of um you're just lucky you're you're smarter than i am and it's not really luck it's hard hard work and that's how you get those good grades um so our grades traditional grades a uh, reflection of how successful a child's going to be in um college so you know there's there's been so many studies that show a correlation between a grade and success both in college and later in life but there's also cases where, you know, kids have not been successful and then all of a sudden something, you know, it's like, hey, this is what I want to do. And mm -hmm. they pull out of it. And so, you know, I think generally you can say there's a correlation between your grade and how you're going to perform later. But there are cases that are exceptions to that. There's kids right. that come out, you know, in middle school, they're off the charts, they're playing video games, they're not interested in school, and in high school they start that way, and then somewhere down the line, no, I want to do this. Yeah. And I want, this is what I want to do for a living, and all of a sudden they're starting to perform, and they catch on, they get it. So there's not necessarily a, you know, a correlation of they won't be successful. Right. Because there are things, but we do see, I think, a lot of times a correlation between those grades and performance and success later. 
Yeah, I think it's all about um, kind of like the attitude or determination of the kid at that time because you do see some kids where they are performing and getting good grades and then a couple years later they're not getting such good grades. And I know personally for me there was a couple years in high school where I didn't get good grades, but that's not that's because I was just not trying. I was focused on friends and things mm-hmm. and so it's not necessarily it's like a time in your life you might not be or um it's just like your mindset if you're a hard worker and that's where it goes back to being a community member and working hard and how you're going to be in a job you need to be working hard too and if you're in that position where you just don't have the right attitude for it at that time then you might get bad grades for a year I kind of like make the correlation to like you know is it going to tell us how we're going to do later in life Hopefully, and you know, that would be the hopes that that, that that would be the purpose behind it, right? So that we know how we're going to be as a community member later. But when you're looking at it and you really think about it, it's when when you're already striving and, and we have people who are striving for good grades and, and wanting to do better, even when they're in, you know, in elementary school, that's very in, indicative of how they're going to progress in the rest of life. If they've already have that, that sense of, I want more for myself, I want to do better, I see a C on my report card and I want to know what I need to do to bring that up to the B, that's already developing that that perseverance within the students and so I think that even you know yeah like we said things happen and things come up and maybe you're tuned out for a year or or you know so you might not get the best grades one time but realistically when you look at somebody's whole school career overall it's it's about your effort and your attitude and that want and that strive to persevere and do better and so that leads to going to college you know whether or not you have to persevere and you have to want to make those next steps to further your education. And that right there, you're putting in effort. You're having to apply for the colleges. You're having to go through a lot more processes to get that. Whereas the grades, when you have the kids with A's or B's and, you, and they're already invested in that, they're already developing those skills to get them to higher education or to a career. So the grades kind of lend themselves to that. And I have two very different examples. And my husband did not do well in elementary school or high school, just didn't do it. He was dyslexic, is struggling with that. And then when he got to college, boom, something clicked. Mm-hmm. And he loved college and, you know, has a has a master's degree at this point. But if you had looked at what he had done in elementary school and high school, you would have said, oh, no, this guy's not going to go anyplace. And something later in life just clicked in his head and he said, oh, I, I do like learning and, and learned how to work with his disability. You know, that, that sometimes takes a while to figure out how to, to, to overcome a, a learning disability, but it can be done. Also, with my youngest child, I said she was a valedictorian, when she went to the university and she wasn't getting straight A's, that blew her mind. And she was like, I got to drop out of college. No, no, you're not dropping out of college. You're going to stay there. A B is okay. You can live with a B. You're, it's not the end of your world that you, you're not straight A's through college. Just get through college. Get the degree at the end. And I think sometimes those super high achieving kids, when they don't achieve, a lot of times will give up on something. Or, oh, I'm not good at that. I, I wanted to be a scientist. Oh, I'm not good at that anymore because i got to be. I'm not taking that anymore. So I'm going to take an easier course out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that they can be helpful and they, they can also be harmful at the same time. So as you're working with teachers on Gradebook, what would you say, what is your best advice to teachers on getting ready for grades? Because they're coming up pretty soon. My best advice is don't wait till the last minute. That's Same thing we tell the advice. kids all the time. <laughs> you no, know, we tell kids all the time, don't wait till the last minute, don't wait till the last minute. Um, but 
you know, people tend to be natural procrastinators. So it's, you know, don't wait till the last minute. You know, I used to try as a middle school teacher, grades ended on the 20th, even though they weren't stored and weren't reported. When I walked out the door on the 20th, I wanted to be done. Yes. I wanted my vacation. I wanted to be finished. And so it's like, I didn't wait. I wanted it done. I never did that. That's my advice when we meet (laughs) with the new teachers to when when the grading period's over, be done. Because I would, I was one of those teachers always signed some great big project right before the break. And then I would take it home for three weeks and look at it like, I got to grade that. I got to grade that. And then your whole vacation's ruined. So don't do that to yourself. Get it done before and walk out so you have actually a vacation. My advice would be to consider what it is that you are grading and what you are putting in your grade books. We mentioned not grading things like practice, you know, be very specific and intentional with the grades that are in there and make sure that you feel that the grades that are being put in there are actually representations of their mastery of the standard. And if it's not a grade that's going to give you some sort of representation of how they're mastering the standard within that subject area, then I would consider should this or should this not, does this belong in my grade book? That's so great advice. Limit what you are using for your input in, so that you have a more concise idea of their mastery of the standard. And kind of giving teachers permission not to grade everything. Yeah. Because uh, you know, we have tons of yeah. work. And if you're working every single day and you're thinking you have to put every single one of those assignments in your grade book, you're going to kill yourself. Yeah. And, and, and just, that took me years to kind of learn, too, as yes. a teacher, to, to walk away and say, hey, I'm giving you a writing assignment, but the only thing I'm going to look at is commas because that's what we've been teaching. The only thing I'm going to look at, instead of red inking the whole paper and spending hours upon hours doing it, it was, hey, I'm going to look at just this particular thing on this paper. Mm -hmm. And it's such a a time saver for a teacher, too, that, hey, this is what the skill we're working on, so that's what I'm going to focus on. And even better because then that's giving you an exact representation of that skill that you were looking for. And that's what the whole purpose is. And then being able to communicate that to the kid and the parent, because the parent's like, this is a fabulous essay. Yeah, but they didn't do the skill I asked them to do in this. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So my advice would be to be in semester one when you're doing. (laughs) 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 I think I'll email that out today. (laughs) Be in the right quarter semester. Uh, And then, like Marshall said, just not doing um, everything at the last minute because a lot of times you run into that. You're taking it home over vacation, and when you're putting in the grades, you're at the wrong date, and then it ends up being in the wrong quarter. So um, just trying to get it done before the end of the grading period so that you can make sure that the assignments you're inputting are in the right calendar date range. And that's great advice because when we end on the, the grading period ends on December 20th, so if you're at home putting grades in and it's, um, you know, January 1st or January 2nd, it's going to be in the wrong you're grading. In yeah, you're now. The, yeah. yeah. So, so a lot of times you do all the hard work and you work on your grades and they're in there. But because of the date range, you have to just make sure that you backdate it if you're doing that. But if you have them done during grading period, um, then you're good to go. And make sure the comments are in the right place as well, that you yeah. want the comments associated with your homeroom and yeah. with the... In, in the elementary, one. in the semester one. <laughs> semester one. And, you know, the other thing I would say is that, you know, as you're looking at that and you're giving those comments, um, to, to give some positive comments as well. Yes. A lot of times when, when I get to see grades, it's really easy to focus just on the, the negative, not the negative, but the, 
the areas of improvement, the areas of improvement <laughs> that you want to focus on, and you tend to forget those kids that have you know have been doing a great job all year, mm-hmm. and giving them a positive comment is is a rewarding thing to do. As and well. I think that's a great great comment because <laughs> grade book or report cards are things that families keep forever. They store them, they keep them, they go back and look at them. And I remember my husband had one that um, draws too much in class. Well, he's an artist, so <laughs> it made perfect sense. But um, those are things that we want to be as positive as possible and give feedback so that they can make the improvements where they need to. But but to remember that people keep those. They're not just a throwaway document. Those are things that families store forever and give to the kid when they move out, you know. So <laughs> Yeah, and, we, and the comment bank in there is really helpful with if you have comments where the student needs improvement to use the comment bank to word it correctly and then when you're giving positive comments use the comment bank too or make it your own because they're very special when they come unique to the student okay and semester one grades are reported to the state so that's one thing i know that at the beginning of the year when we told teachers we had some issues with gradebook and we told them that we were reporting them to the state and they're like what I'm like no, no we've been doing this for years <laughs> this is something that the the state um collects to see, I think, student achievement, but along with suspensions, attendance, um, who's teaching what grade level, and all those kind of things that are still reported to the state. I would suggest that you do not have your grade book, um, that you don't give different points for different categories. I would just have a straight point dump. That's my advice, because whenever we see people are concerned with calculations at the end, like, this didn't calculate right, no, it did. It calculated exactly how you told it to. So if you just do a straight point dump, it's so much easier to figure out. That's my it's, advice. I'm not telling you to have to. explain that to parents, too. <laughs> yeah. To yes, it is. To explain how it calculates that grade when it's total points. All right. So it's almost Christmas time. What, what are your plans for Christmas or winter vacation? <laughs> I always go to Albuquerque to visit my family and Google Camp. Yeah. Oh, Google <laughs> Camp. That's Google right. Camp. Yeah. Google Camp starting January 6th, so that's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. Um, spending time with family and working and just staying busy. Very good. Um, I Family time, and then I'm going to go up and work on the uh, house in the mountains and redo some flooring, I think. so. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yes. In the cold weather. In the cold weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, have a nice vacation um, and come back ready and ready to work again in January, and um, we're excited to have you with us.